Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whenever you may be listening to this. Welcome back, or welcome for the first time. My name is Jeff Spencer, and you are listening to a new podcast called Sweeten Up. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts so you never miss a future episode. Also, the podcast is located on Facebook and Instagram. Just search at Sweeten Up Podcast, that is sweet, the letter N, U-P, podcast. Also, for all you Apple product owners out there, you can now listen to the podcast with the help of Siri. Just say, hey Siri, play the podcast Sweeten Up with Jeff Spencer. I hope everyone is doing well, staying safe and healthy. I know that times are tough, but I want you to know that I feel you, and if you need anything, even someone to talk to, you can always reach out here on the podcast. Sweetenuppodcast at gmail.com. That is sweet, the letter N, U-P, podcast at gmail.com. Here on the podcast, we care not only about making a great podcast, but about you, the listeners. This podcast is nothing without you. Stay strong, hang in there, and don't give up. Today in the podcast, I was so glad to have been joined by the first selectman of my hometown, Dan Rosenthal. Dan Rosenthal is a tremendous guy, someone who I am so glad represents the town I live in on a day-to-day basis. We covered a lot of hot topics, but also dove into the history behind Dan leading the town, and I think you are really going to enjoy this a lot. So without further ado, here's my interview with my friend and first electman of Newtown, Connecticut, Dan Rosenthal. Joining me on the podcast today, I am super, super honored to have on the first selectman of my hometown of Newtown, Connecticut, Dan Rosenthal. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And how are you doing this evening? Good, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. I, I, uh, I wish my kids were so excited when I come home. So uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm glad someone's happy to be uh, with me tonight. So that's great. Of course. No, of course. It's always good to see you. Um, you're, you're such a great leader for our town. And I'm, I'm so glad we have you as a first selectman. And, you know, one thing I want to ask you is I know being a first selectman kind of almost runs in the family, so to speak. So uh, did you always want to be a first selectman based on that or did it just kind of come to be? Well, nobody believes me, but uh, the answer is no. I, uh, <laughs> it's funny. Maybe I would have said so when I was little. Um, you know, I had the, you know, I was blessed to grow up in the same home with, um, you know, my grandfather who was first selectman from 75 to 87. So he was the town's longest serving first selectman. He served six terms. Wow. And, um, you know, he, he and I were inseparable. So as a kid, you know, he would bring me around with him a lot. You know, he'd go out to see uh, roads or different issues in town. So with him, I, you know, I got to see the power of the job to, to help people. I mean, I, you know, when I was young, there was no, I mean, I didn't understand politics it was just you know hey right. it's kind of cool my grandfather's our first selectman and we'd go out and people'd say hey jack and you know i'd go around with them right um so it kind of seemed like a neat thing um 
my father was first selectman from 97 to 2007, so five terms. And, you know, that I was already out of the house when he got elected. Um, and we spoke a lot more maybe about some of the, you know, the, 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 the political machinations of the job. And not that he was like super political, but, you know, you're in a political job. Things can be political from time to time. Sure. And I probably, you know, just seeing the investment of time, you know, growing up, he was on the board of ed for 14 years. Why, you know, so I was still home and in high school and, you know, middle school when he was doing that. He was on all kinds (laughs) of things outside of that. And I think that, um, that probably just given the time commitment and the sacrifice, I was like, you know what? No way. And, and, uh, um, not that I didn't admire him for it, but, uh, you know, I, I had a job in the private sector and I took a brief break. Um, you know, my kids were getting older. I have a daughter that's in college now and I have a daughter that's a junior in high school and my son's going to be a freshman. And with them getting older, I said to my wife, you know, I want to take a step back. Right. And, you know, the, the love was gone from working in the hedge fund industry and the firm I was at, you know, my friend had retired and well, I shouldn't, can't say the love was gone. I just needed a break. Right. And I took some time and not with the intention of doing this. And I started running into people and, you know, having grown up in town, I'd see friends, parents, and it kind of reconnected me with the town having that summer to just go to NYA and have breakfast with my wife and kind of bounce around a little bit. And then people said, Pat Loger's not going to run. And here I am. Right. So it was kind of a circuitous, I mean, it wasn't something that I was angling for. So gotcha. the short answer. Gotcha. No, that's, that's very interesting. I'm, um, you know, that's something I've, I was always curious, uh, uh, to ask you and, and, um, and to know about, and, you know, something for, for maybe some of my listeners out there who, who don't know exactly what first selectman means, because I know more times than not, I would, I always say to people, Oh, I have the best, you know, you know, my town, I have the best first selectman, Dan Rosenthal. He, you know, cause people are, cause people always say to me at my job and just in general, who's the person in your town that, you know, who's in charge. And I always say, Oh, we have a great first selectman, Dan Rosenthal. And they always look at me like first selectman, like what's a first yeah, selectman. So, exactly. so in you your opinion, you, you got four heads, right? Yeah. So in your opinion, what, what, I mean, not in your opinion, but what, basically what is a first selectman? You know, first selectman and functionally it's a mayor. So, you know, I think it's not uncommon for, New England towns, you know, it's, if you go to out West, you know, my daughter goes to school in California, people would say, what's a first selectman? I mean, if you go to, if you go right. to New Jersey, they probably <laughs> say, what's a first selectman? Yeah, but, yeah. but, um, you know, I, it, it's functionally, it's a mayor. So it's the chief elected official for the town. You know, the job is multifaceted, but the statutory responsibilities, the health, welfare, and safety of everybody in town, the check on my power is that there's a board of selectmen. So I have, you know, my running mate, uh, Maureen Crick-Owen, who's terrific. Uh, right. Maureen is, I think, a 11th generation in town. I mean, they go back to when, I, I always tease her, when they invented dirt. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. and, and Jeff Capisi, who um, is a Republican member of the Board of Selectmen. And again, Jeff has been great. I think we make a great team. And I had reached out to Jeff after the elect- election and said, you know, I very much wanted it to be a team of three, not a partisan thing. And I think we've all lived up to that and we get along great. And I think, you know, as far as disagreements go, there's perhaps maybe one or two votes where it hasn't been 3-0 in the last two and a half plus years. Gotcha. But so functionally, I chair the Board of Selectmen. So for contractual matters and things like that, um, you know, if I'm going to sign, you know, legal document, uh, you know, a, an easement, you know, you name it, I have to go to them for that. But as far as managing town staff and the like, 
um, that's what I'm doing on a day to day. And I, I don't have to seek their approval for that. Although I do keep them informed. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So that, you know, that's good to know. I mean, I, I obviously knew that, but I, you know, it's, I think it's good that other people understand exactly what, um, what you do and what first, you know, first select men and first select women do, um, around our state. And one thing I want to ask you is you, you brought up Pat Loger before. One thing that I, I really wanted to ask when you first got elected, but I didn't have a podcast around that <laughs> was what was it like for you taking the reins from Pat Lodra, um, who was the, the, um, you know, the leader of our town during our darkest moments during, um, what happened on 1214. I mean, what was that like for you taking over from, from someone like her who, who did such a great job, you know, just carrying our town through such a dark uh, time? Um, you know, Pat and I, you know, had a good relationship. We still have a good relationship. Um, I think the town's benefited from that in general. I think that, um, We've been fortunate, you know, and I know I'm a little bit biased with a few of our, a couple of our leaders, but, you know, I think we've had, um, we've had, you know, good first selectmen, select women. Um, so Pat, you know, I'd known Pat, well, she knew my family for, you know, going back to, you know, my grandfather. I mean, she's been in town since I right. believe the early seventies. <laughs> my grandfather moved to town in, in 1953, he's since passed. But, you know, Pat and, and her husband, Bob, knew my grandfather very well. My father served with Pat on the board of selectmen for, a term right before oh, nice. I got elected. I got to know Pat a lot better after the tragedy. So I think we had a, a pretty good rapport. I think it was a fairly easy transition. I think for me, just given my history in town and my sort of per arm's length relationship to the job for basically half my life, if you add up my grandfather at 12 years, my father at 10, I was, you know, 45 when I got elected. So for half my life, right? I mean, right. I had a family member in that office. So, right. you know, I felt like I had the confidence to, to take on the job. You know, it wasn't totally foreign to me. Um, but we spent, you know, I think we had a nice transition together. I think also I didn't challenge Pat. You know, I wasn't running to resurrect the town from the ashes. So it right. wasn't like... Right, she was leaving. Anymore. Right, right. Yeah, like, the, you know, so it really wasn't. I mean, I'm sure there were some things I said or did that, that uh, rubbed her the wrong way. I mean... You know, you're always trying to show. Here's how I would do it differently. Of course. So you know, but she's she's. Uh, I think she, she's she gets it. Um, right. So, so you know, that day after the election, you know, and I remember her reaching out to me and sending me a note during the campaign. We got together, and I think she met with I had two other opponents. So she met with all three of us. I think just to sort of talk about the things that she was working on and what we might have to do. And then I re remember her reaching out. You know, in October, and she said, you know. She always had a staff meeting, you know, I think it's the first Thursday. I've still kept that going, but it was the first Thursday of, of every month. And I think because of when election day fell, fell the Thursday was the week <laughs> prior. So she right. postponed the meeting until the Wednesday after the election. Gotcha. And I remember getting up the morning after the election, literally for the 8 a.m. meeting or whatever it was. And <laughs> I was kind of tired, you know, and I put a suit on the, the next morning <laughs> to go meet the whole staff and everything and get introduced at the staff meeting as, you know, to kick off the transition. And I'm like, why couldn't she have made it Thursday? And I think that was her way of getting back at me. <laughs> so whatever, whatever, whatever she did harbor, you know, against me for whatever I said or did, I think that she just tried to punish me with a, with a meeting first thing in the morning. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, 
that's cool. That's cool to know. I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's always cool to know that the camaraderie that that goes on behind the scenes that people don't often get to, to hear about or see. And, um, yeah. you know, agreements, but you know, we yeah, did. no, we, of course, but, but we, but she still comes in and I think the town benefits from that the same way that, you know, my father still, when he left office and yep. he left office after losing campaign, you know, he still checked in with Joe Borst and, uh, his, his successor. So, you know, I think the town benefits from that. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you mentioned your, your, your father, um, uh, who was a selectman, uh, like we were talking about. I see him every day walking his dog on my way to work. I, I go down Main Street. I see him. Sometimes I wave if he happens to be looking. He probably has no idea who I am, but I know who he is. So he's make yeah. sure to wave just to be yeah. friendly. But but yeah, uh, yeah. so I, I do see him every morning. So it's funny you mentioned that. You know, so one thing I really want to ask you is, what is your opinion on possibly um, schools returning in the fall, given everything going on. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Because I know that that's a hot subject that a lot of uh, my listeners are curious to know about, and just most people, I'm sure. Well, you know, I think that Connecticut, the position that Connecticut's in right now is great. And I think that the, com- the condition we're in as a community relative to the pandemic you know, and it's always nice, you know, I get phone calls and people say, geez, you know, thanks for, you know, your help and your guidance. But the reality is, you know, the community did this, right? I mean, I, you know, yeah. I have the pleasure of serving in the role that I, that I do, but I think people really looked out for one another and, and, and people did take it seriously and, and people still, you know, are still taking it seriously. And, and I think that's why we're enjoying kind of the, the fruits of that. The more things are open, you know, you can, the parks are open, the municipal center's open, you know, most of the amenities the town offers are open. And, you know, our businesses, of course, need everybody's support. You know, I think that people working really hard within the school system, our superintendent, our board of education, our health director, um, the committee that they've established to work on this, um, I do think that they'll land in a good spot. I think that we are going to be able to uh, go back. You know, I, I support that. I mean, certainly it's not going to feel the same as it did when everybody left in, uh, in early right. March. Right. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, things put in place. I already see the movement on that, things being ordered and everything else. So I think that I trust the, the leadership of the school system. Uh, the superintendent's very focused on it. And again, all the folks that I mentioned, so I think safety is going to be, I shouldn't say I think, I know safety will be put at a, at a premium. Um, I do think that, you know, for the teachers and for the, 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 the children, the students, the right steps are being taken. So I do think that it's going to be okay to go back. I, I am concerned, though, about, you know, the October, November. And that's why I think that the, the approach being taken, I think they are kind of coming up with alternative plans. So if they do have to move their feet, it's not just, we just need to shut down again. So maybe right. we go to some other operating protocol. So I think they are considering all that, looking for, you know, potentially additional spaces and the like. So um, I think they are considering everything. Do I have an answer on exactly how it's going to look? No. Um, I think that'll be forthcoming soon. But I don't get the sense that anybody just throwing caution to the wind and want to risk public health in this process. So, okay, cool, awesome. Well, that's good to know. Um, and I'm sure people will appreciate uh, hearing that. And you know, one other thing I heard um, was that due to COVID nineteen, um, uh, that uh, polling or, or not sorry, polling voting um, will be taking place at just one location in town this year. Is that true? Or well, not exactly. Okay. So. So the, the, the primary will take place at one location. Okay. So the, the, the primary coming up in August where people were mailed uh, absentee ballot applications, you know, they sent them across the whole state because yep. 
uh, the governor's executive order, they're basically ordinarily, it's in our state constitution. There are only certain reasons why you're allowed to get an absentee ballot. You have to be out of town. You have to be infirmed. I mean, there's a whole number of things. Being concerned about COVID wasn't in our constitution, unfortunately. Yeah. So they they decided because of the pandemic that they would allow all residents to get absentee ballots to the extent that they want, you know, that they want to vote that way. I got to send mine in. <laughs> yeah. So, so they will have in-person voting. It'll be at the high school. Okay, cool. Um, that, that day, what they're weighing now and the legislature is going to be talking about this, you know, they're going into session next week on a number of things, uh, police accountability, uh, telehealth. There are a number of there. I think there are four agenda items they're taking up in a special session. Right. Yeah. Ritter was mentioning one of them. Uh, uh, the other day we had him on the podcast. He was mentioning um, uh, insulin uh, costs or something like yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Insulin. That was the yeah. other one. So yeah. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. No. Of course. So, so you know they 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 will they will go in for that. But what they're trying to wrestle with is how we handle the November election, and will that be? Um, I, I have a feeling that they'll allow a no-fault absentees for that. I don't know that they're going to mail applications to everyone in the state like they did for the primary. I think that may have been a bit of a trial run. Gotcha. But I do suspect that what will come out of this is they will allow people to request absentees. And, you know, you won't be asked, you know, you'll be allowed to just get one and vote by absentee if you want. Gotcha. But there will be in-person voting. And I suspect given that we'll have, in all likelihood, given past uh, past history, We'll probably have ninety percent turnout because it's a presidential election. You know, we had eighty percent turnout for the gubernatorial. Uh, now, almost two years ago, so this will be a big one. There'll be all the polling places will have to be open. Got it. You know, and with everything that's going on with COVID nineteen, one uh, piece of devastating news that I heard last week was that the Labor Day parade is off, which yeah. obviously for good reason. But it's still at the same time, I'm like, man, because that's you know, it's it's such a great event. It's the biggest one in the state. And, you know, it's, it's, it's such a good time. And, you know, well, obviously you're probably bummed too, but what's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, as someone who, you know, so my, 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 my birthday this past year was Labor Day. So it falls, right uh, from, you know, it's September. <laughs> so, you know, my gotcha. mother tells me the story of, uh, you know, when they brought me home from the hospital, they had to sneak me up. I grew up right on Main Street, as you right. know, to my father walking. Right. And they had to, bring, they had to sneak me up. Um, Hanover Road, and then there's <laughs> the parade was going on when I came right. home. So, so <laughs> oh. there were many years when I was a kid, and I guess someone had to, you know, burst my ego. There was many years when I was a kid that I thought the parade was for me. And <laughs> That's um, funny. Um, that's uh, you know, so it was nice this past year in the parade, they did sing happy birthday to me at the flag. Oh, that's awesome. The MC awesome. and the, you know, the, the grandstand and the residents there. It was nice. That's awesome. Um, so, it is something that I do love, and I haven't missed many of them in my life. Um, I did talk to the parade committee back in May. They reached out and said, what do you think we should do? And I said, I think the community needs it. I'd really like to be able to have it. But I understood their dilemma. You know, they, they have to raise a fair amount of money. I, I think that yeah. business is struggling. Residents are struggling financially, I'm sure. So trying to raise the funds necessary in a, in a real uneasy time like this um, was a challenge. So we kind of talked about making it more hyper-local and maybe not having a lot of the bands and things that they hire. Um, but I think that as we got closer to it, I think they just decided that, you know, even trying to pull that off with kind of uncertain, you know, crowd size limits and things like that, it was just going to be hard. I, I you know, it, it disappoints me because I do think that this has gotten old for everybody, including me. And that was something that I think people do look forward to to kind of conclude summer 
you know, the kids are getting off to school. It's like yep. that transition point. That's and, exactly uh, how I felt when I was growing up in town. Yeah, we'll have to come up with something else. That was the last big hurrah. You knew when the Labor Day parade came and went, and it was all over from there. <laughs> yeah, right. It was like, all right, you know, so yeah, we're back to the grind. Yeah. Close the pool and yeah. uh, back to life. So yeah, no, exactly, exactly. You know, something else that I I um I want to ask you about is, you know, how do you think our town? You know, obviously, I know our town did did pretty good with COVID nineteen. I think we fared pretty well, um, despite. And you know. What's what's your opinion of how well our town did? Um, and you know, are there any businesses that are struggling that maybe need extra help from us, or what have you noticed? So, I mean, I think the the the, the health toll of COVID. You know, I think we 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 managed pretty well. And but when I say we, I mean the community. I'm not right. saying me and two of other course. people. You know, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, I, a guy used to say me me you and the mouse in your pocket. Um, <laughs> the staff though has been terrific. You know, our health director has really put in long hours, you know, I, we speak on Saturdays and Sundays, maybe a little less now because, you know, we're, our case growth is flatlined and, you know, we get a few amount, that's not to say we don't get cases because we do, right, right? but when it was, you know, when you felt like it was coming in over the transom a little bit more, you know, we do have some healthcare facilities in town. Uh, sadly, the toll there, you know, a lot of our, you know, if you look at our, our, you know, we have north of, you know, 40 people have passed away in our community from, from COVID. Right. right. Um, you know, that doesn't sit well with me. I wish that number uh, was zero. Yeah, exactly. You know, people, and you know, I, I don't, I don't want to sort of gloss over and say, hey, you know, we did great because there were people that live among us that, uh, right. um, you know, have passed. And, and I think about them, their loved ones and people that weren't able to grieve the loss of, of a loved one. So mm. there, there's the, the personal toll that this has taken has been tough. And then, you know, you extrapolate it across, you know, the businesses that had to close where I think that, you know, they're all, for the most part, you know, I think everybody is functioning. You know, I think that uh, business is not what it was. Right. Um, I think the best thing that I could do for the businesses and our community can do for them, obviously, is to support them. But I think is also to, to continue to create a sense of calm in the community. I think we've kept things down the fairway. Certainly, I had people calling me saying, close everything, you know, close Fairfield Hills. There's people <laughs> yeah. walking to Fairfield Hills and they're right. too close. Right. And I said, nope, you know what? People need to keep their sanity, um, getting out with friends, even from a distance and walking, you know, I, you can't take that away. And I'd rather have people walking there than on back roads where they're, uh, you know, exposed to getting, you know, hit by car or whatever else. So I'm happy we had Fairfield Hills and the walking trails and I'm happy people got to enjoy it. Um, but then I had people calling me open everything. This is crazy. You know, this is, all, you know, <laughs> of course, serious and, 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 uh, you know, I think we successfully kind of put that, you know, cast that aside. Cause as I said to a lot of those voices, if we're reckless and we just throw things open, I can't just will it to be true. So right. if people are worried and concerned, they're not going to come out of their house. And now I'm doing a disservice to our businesses because now they have to open to a real uncertain demand climate. They're bringing employees back and yet no one's coming because people say they're crazy in Newtown. They've just, right. you know, they've done, you know, everything kind of recklessly. So right. I, I am pleased that I think there was, you know, things were very methodical. You know, I, I wouldn't name businesses that are, are uh, having a tougher time than others. I mean, I, I think that uh, it's fair to say probably, um, it's capitalism, right? I mean, you know, some do better than others, but I think what we can all do is, is, is support them. Yep. No, buy local. Um, don't assume that things are great, you know, stop in. If you're thinking about buying something, I I do worry that just given a a month long, several month long shutdown, 
that buying patterns shift, you know, people start finding things online. Right. So, you know, before you're going to click order, just, you know, kind of consider, could I go and get this in a store? I think from everything I can tell, our businesses are taking it seriously, you know, wearing masks. I mean, on occasion we get calls, this one's not wearing a mask, but I want to convey, you know, they're all, they're all trying and I, and I try to reach out to them and I get calls from time to time. So, you know, try to be patient, but do try to support them would be the message I would send. Gotcha. And I agree. And I think our town's doing great. I've been out and about supporting local. Um, when the when the lockdown started and the quarantine went into effect, I was getting takeout, tons of takeout um, all over town. Uh, I've been, I've been, you know, as soon as they could let you out, you know, yeah. outside to eat, I was there. I've been there every weekend going to different places. And I think everyone is doing great. And I, I definitely applaud them and applaud, um, you know, our town leadership. And, um, you know, like you said, our health director and everything like that. You know, uh, something I want to switch gears a little bit to is, you know, I noticed in town that, um, you know, new businesses are popping up and, and you know, and buildings are popping up and, and, and things are really happening. A new town is really transforming into this really, you know, bustling town. And, I take and, credit for that. <laughs> well, no, no. Well, what I, what I was trying, well, no. <laughs> and we have the sidewalks and, you know, town's just becoming, you know, boisterous. And, yeah. and, and one thing I also noticed was that, when you recently were up for re-election, you were unimposed. No one ran. No one ran against you, and I don't see anyone running against you for a long time because of how good of a job that you <laughs> I do. I don't know about that. But so, so what is? What's your thoughts on on everything going on in town? No, I'm, I you know I think that uh, as I said <laughs> to someone recently, you know, without having a challenger in November, I think that uh, I just wish I had that their clairvoyance. You know, they knew that we were going to have this COVID thing and uh, everything that's come along with it. But right, um, no, I, I was. It was nice to not have an opponent and just focus on, you know, continuing to uh, to do the job. And uh, it's a job I take seriously. I think the community, you know, you know, you you grew up in town too. Yep. Uh, to think about from a from a people standpoint, it's still very much the same community we grew up in. People care. People get involved. People volunteer. That's really the backbone of the town. Um, everywhere I look, you know, if there's a if there's a need, you, you know, and I, if I think that the need needs to be filled before I can even do anything, there's already people working to fill it. Yeah. So, and they're all volunteering. So that's right. the special thing about our town. From a growth standpoint, you know, I remember having just, you know, a few pizza places and that was it. Now we're like this restaurant Mecca and yeah. you know, the, 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 everybody's focused on making it a more livable community with the sidewalks and, mm-hmm. and all the things that to your point have transformed the community, seeing businesses open. I think it's great. I think it's, there's, it's all the more reason to live in town. And I think that, I love it because I think it's diversifying. They create gateways into the community. It's diversifying reasons for people to come here. You know, we have two breweries now. We have all these restaurants. You know, we have great shops and things like, oh, there you go. <laughs> I got the, got shirt. Your, I got the got new, new style new shirt. I interviewed Sharky. He's been on the podcast. Shout out to New Oh, Sharky. yeah, yeah. And they're off to a great start. And, you know, Reverie. Yep. Um, they're coming Ryan, on too, Reverie. Yep. Yeah, they, they've been, uh, I'll give them both a shout out. You know, they've been great. And mm-hmm. the big thing is they're invested in the community. and. Yep. You know, I see Ryan supporting things, uh, you know, really the moment that, you know, Reverie opened, you know, with, you know, he'd bring a log to the San New York Firehouse for a fundraiser or, you know, and, and, and New Asylum, you know, the, you know, the family, you know, the, the oh, they've been staple the of Rassios, you know, they've hmm. supported the town yep. and that's really the story for all of our businesses. And that's why I say, let's remember them. I mean, they support baseball teams and, and, uh, charity in town and everything else. So they yep. need us. So let's not forget them, but they, so I think the town has all these, you know, creative business people, 
And I think we need that because I think it, again, people come to town for a dinner and say, Hey, wow, this place is great. You know, I just drove by people walking on the sidewalk, Fairfield Hills, all the different, you know, you know, we just need to keep establishing reasons for people to come and visit. And again, those create gateways into town where people say, you know, I'd like to live there too, or even open, perhaps open a business there. So it has been uh, amazing relative to, you know, the town that I, I grew up in, in terms of what was here then. Um, right. Not that I somehow suffered as a result of there not being much here, but I appreciate everything that's here that much more now. Right. No. I remember what wasn't here. And, and No, uh, I agree. You know, so it, it has been great. No, I agree. Um, a dream of mine when breweries were popping up all over the state was, man, I, I, I hope someday I'll be able to ride my bike from my house to a brewery in my town or two. And now I can, and it's amazing. And it's been, a, it's been great, especially with the sidewalks. I mean, they've been great keep, you know, keeping people safe off the road, but still being able to access all of town. And it's, it's, been, it's been great. I think it's one of the coolest things that I've, I've seen lately in our town. Yeah, and, um, it's, been, it's been fun. Yeah, I remember, you know, I growing up on Main Street, I'd walk, I don't know how many times, you know, I'd ride my bike up and down the sidewalk because yep. you're just finding things to do. And then, yeah. you know, and then I'd collect baseball cards and I'd walk to the smoke shop, you know, three times a day to buy, you know, I don't know how many packs and yeah. <laughs> you know, friends and do the same thing. And, you know, and, 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 and in some of those areas, there weren't sidewalks. So, you know, we'd wear, you know, you'd just walk on a little worn path through, yeah. <laughs> through, through the thickets, you know, right. And, and, you know, I, it does, that is a fond memory from growing up here, but I'm happy that there are, you know, more amenities now for the public to enjoy. Exactly. No, I, I, I completely agree, especially with um, the new community center and yeah. um, how proud are you of that? How proud are you of that community center? Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I vary, you know, I think that the process started, uh, you know, before I took office, but, you know, the, the ground was broken on election day, 2017. So I took office and, you know, there was already site work being done out there. And, um, you know, we had challenges through the construction process, but I do think the finished proj project is, uh, is beautiful. I think that uh, Matt Arinello, the director there, has done a terrific job. And to see the way that it took off, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, it opened July. So right around a year ago, July 19th, I think was the ribbon cutting. So we're coming mm. up on the, the one yeah. year anniversary. Wow. I think we officially opened the doors. I think it was July 22nd. Why I remember that, I don't know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, but it, it really, you know, they were running ahead of, you know, in terms of membership projections, you know, they were running into their, you know, well into, I think their second year projections, you know, when they had come and, and shown what their financial projections were to the board of selectmen and the business model. I think the staff has done a, a, a great job there. I think there's a nice partnership with uh, the park and rec department. Um, but the community, you know, has been, it's just great going over there. And I love the, the Better Day Cafe mm. where we partnered with the school system and the kids in the transition program. Right. So I like, you know, I like going over there and chatting with the students. Um, you know, it's giving them life skills, job skills, you know, you know, they get to interact with people. And I think that was just such a wonderful addition there. And that was a big part of my morning, just walking over there and grabbing a coffee when I could. Nice. Uh, that's been sad for me since everything sure. had shut down. Yeah. Um, but I did get to see a lot of those kids graduate. So when they oh, reach nice. 21, they graduate from the program. So we did a little drive-by graduation outside the community center. And, and Oh, nice. That's uh, It was nice to see them and, and, and how it was kind of bittersweet. You know, that right. they, oh, uh, of course. You know, I, I you could develop personal relationships with them, and I think that was a great addition. And you know, Matt was able to secure the grant for that. Um, 
and they've reopened, albeit to a kind of different environment right now. I saw that, right. And the traffic is lighter and, you know, there's, there's like saying barriers up and things like that. And, right. and, and but people are coming though. And the, the, the lap lanes are, are, you know, the people are reserving them, but they're, you know, they're filling up. And I think that it will bounce back in a big way once we can kind of drop some, you know, a lot of the, the healthcare precautions that are in place. And I think once we can, they'll be right back to where they were, but it has been great. Right now it has been, I, I agree. It's been a, it's been a great addition to um, the community. Yeah. Listen, I have a few more questions for you. Cause I don't want to, um, don't want to waste any more of your time. Uh, been no, great. No, <laughs> Before you jump in, I, I, sure. I, I want to say, I, I re, I'd be remiss in saying I also not a day goes by that I don't think about why we have that building. True. And the fact that, you know, uh, it came out of something so awful and um, in no way does that, you know, replace what was lost for, for those families. And I do want to make sure that sometimes I get carried away and I say how great the space is, but I do have to center myself and, and True. remember the, 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 the price that was paid for that by the children and the families. True. No, you're right. The, that, that grant, um, you know, was, was huge. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate everything that transpired. I mean, something that, you know, of course we'll never forget, but it touched, it touched even um, closer to home for me because my dad was a custodian at Sandy Hook school. He actually just retired this last year, oh, really? but he was, a, uh, he was a custodian for almost two decades at Sandy Hook school. Really? And, um, yeah. And I had a little cousin who was in the hallway where everything took place. So it was a very nerve wracking day. Luckily everyone is fine. We were, we were very fortunate. But, um, but yeah, but uh, you are right to never forget the fact that that community center is there because of, unfortunately, a very tragic situation. Yeah. But, uh, well, I'm glad that your dad is, uh, is uh, in hopefully enjoying retirement. Yes. And, uh, you know, your cousin is, uh, ho- you know, probably now in... But the yeah, he's in high, yeah, yeah, he's in high school. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I can't, it's hard to believe. I see him all the time, and he's he's almost as tall as me now. And <laughs> so, but um, but yeah, I just, you soon. Yeah, no, I know, I know. <laughs> but um, just a few more questions for you. Um, one of those questions being, um, uh, what would you like? You know, speaking of the community center, which is at Fairfield Hills. Fairfield Hills is such a beautiful space. I absolutely love going there as much as I can. What would you like to see Fairfield Hills um, more become? Because I know we have a brewery, we have a community center, there's a lot going on. What else would you like to see possibly on the campus? It's a very timely question. So before everything happened with COVID, you know, I probably spent the better part of the last, really since I got into office, because I think that we're running out of time for the buildings mm. at Fairfield Hills. Yeah. This isn't a, hey, let's wait five, 10 years and see, <laughs> excuse me, and see. I think the brewery was a great space because it lent itself to redevelopment. So, yeah. you know, and they've done a terrific job. Dave, Mark, Mark, you know, they're all, you know, they, they've done, uh, if you look at, you know, the town put some investment into that building on the exterior, you know, we did the roof. Right. But truth be told, we were going to do the roof anyway, even if they hadn't come along because right. the, the, the open nature of that building lent itself to redevelopment. And once you lose the roof on a building, the building's toast. You may as well tear it down. So right, we were right. gonna, we were actually, you know, inching closer to just biting the bullet and, t- and taking, you know, taking care of the roof. Right. Uh, but the timing worked out great, so we did that. They did all the interior work, and boys, are beautiful. Oh. Yeah, it, it, so, so that really is, I think, a shining star because again, it's the first sort of well, other than the municipal center, 
which happened to be the cafeteria on the campus before it became the municipal center. That is the first commercial repurposing of, of a building on the campus. Gotcha. Uh, we did repurpose one of the duplexes for Parent Connection. Right. But beautiful building. Anyway, so so the campus is important to me. I think it can be a lot more. Um, the challenge with those buildings is, you know, they're kind of boxy, you know, 1930s, you know, mental health space, you know, with con- thick concrete walls. So they're not easily configurable into something else. Right. But boy, are they expensive to take down. So um, we've, we've had some positive interaction with developers around one, you know, and, and I started to have a conversation around housing on the Fairfield Hills campus. Not single, fam- that. not single family housing, but converting uh, one or two of those buildings into apartments. Right. And I think that, you know, for me, it's mixed use. I mean, there'd be some commercial component to it. And we're not talking about putting in thousands of, and we're talking about maybe 150 apartments. And I was holding these community forums. I held three of them, probably all, you know, average attendance is probably around a hundred people. All the presentations, the videos, the presentations that I, you know, the hard copy presentations are all on the town website under Fairfield Hills forums. People can read about what's been discussed. You know, I wanted to open the kimono and kind of show what the costs have been associated with the campus. All that is building to what I hope will be on the ballot in November. Actually, we had a a conversation at the Legislative Council uh, last night around putting a local question on the ballot to hopefully gauge public opinion once and for all on whether the public will support uh, housing on the campus. Gotcha. I think it would be great to take two 19th, you know, 30s buildings, have them fully restored. I'm not talking about tearing things down and building, yeah. you know, ugly monolithic buildings with right. apartments in them. You know, I'm right. talking about converting a couple buildings. I think that the campus is so inviting and putting some more people there, you know, the walking trails, the NYA, the community center, the senior center. It's amazing. It, to me, it, the it, offers, Garden. It, 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 it offers perhaps an entry point for people to come to the community. It offers an entry point for people that grew up here that may not want to live in their parents' basement or garage or whatever else. Right. But also for you know, people at the, the other end of the age spectrum that maybe have a large home, their kids have moved on, they don't want to live in a 4,000 square foot house, but their whole support structure here, their doctors, their friends and everything else but there's no other place to move to that, you know, other than perhaps assisted living, which most people, you know, that's not the first place you go when you retire. <laughs> right. So, so something like that, I think could be serve a check, a whole lot of boxes for the community. And again, we're not talking about changing the footprint. We're talking about getting to restore a few things. So I right. think that would hopefully give way to some other investment. I can't promise that, right. but I do think having people there will call, will, hopefully, you know, again, encourage some other development there in, in kind. And, you know, I say this all the time. I'm sure my grandpa, who unfortunately passed away in 2014, I'm sure he would love to see what Fairfield Hills has become because he worked at uh, the, um, uh, the mental, uh, the state hospital there for um, almost 40 years of his life. So, <laughs> so deep history there, uh, pictures of him at his office that we still have of me actually sitting on his lap in his office when I was like three years old. Which, which building did he work in there? Um, he worked in uh, the one closest to the Glanderfields. Um, Cochran. Cochran, yes. Uh, yep. and, that was the hospital um, building. Yeah. Yes, and uh, he, uh, he fond memories of, of having um, lunch at, uh, at uh, St- uh, Stratford Hall where the, the brewery is now because I remember that was like a dining area at one point. 
Um, at least that's what he had told me. I'm not sure if that had changed, yeah. but, um, but yeah, that, you know, if he could, if he could see that now, I'm sure he would probably think it was pretty cool, but, um, but yeah, uh, no, it's, uh, <laughs> I think it is, I'm glad the town has it. I mean, it's come with right. challenges, but I'm glad that the, uh, you know, I think that people love the landscape there. I think, you know, to see people walking and like I said, to have that in the middle of COVID, I think really gave people, uh, you know, some peace to be able to go out and again, from afar, walk with friends, with their kids, kids ride bikes, that there's relative safety there. So right. I think it's been great. No, I, I agree. So um, one other thing I wanted to ask you was I saw actually today on Newstimes.com, um, Danbury News Times, that you uh, tomorrow will be doing a walk. And I was just wondering if you could uh, talk about that. Sure. You know, one of the challenges with, with local government, you know, I think if people follow politics at all, they follow national politics. And Lord knows that's I'll go out on a limb and say, that's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think that's a stretch. Right. Um, you know, but local government, you can engage with it. You know, you can come to, there's no fence around the municipal center. There's no security to speak of. You know, we, we, uh, we all come in peace. Um, you know, people come in and, and uh, if I'm not, I always say people should make appointments because I might be tied up doing something. But if people walk in and I can see them and the building is now open, um, I'll take walk-ins. Um, and oftentimes that happens and, you know, catch up with a resident for five, 10 minutes on an issue or, um, I think we should celebrate that. You know, I always say that if you don't, if you don't live on the same street with someone in local government, they live a street over, but the challenge is with local government, you don't necessarily get a lot of engagement from the public. People read the B afterwards and say, geez, who's the idiot that, uh, that thought that was a good idea, <laughs> but, but, but there's not that engagement when all the discussions taking place around the, uh, the decision, right. right? And I'm not, I'm not beyond, uh, you know, criticism. Um, but you know, I think the answer saying, Hey, come to the public meeting. That's intimidating for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, to go show up, you know, we're sitting, you know, uh, three abreast, you know, up in the front <laughs> of a room or, or 12, you know, shoulder to shoulder. And someone's going to walk in and say, I'm Jeff Spencer. You know, I live on, on sugar lane and, and, right. uh, you know, here's my, you know, that that that's uh, should I not have said that the um <laughs> no you're good the, 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 so so um that's intimidating for people because people say well geez what if I don't have a good idea or you know uh, what if people in the crowd you know, a lot of people can't do that so I think I was try I constantly try to find ways to reach people and make people you know I want to be approachable I want people to be able to come up and just ask me stuff send me a a text and ask me to do a podcast. <laughs> so last year, I, last summer, I started doing them every other Friday. This summer, we were delayed because of COVID, but I'm, you know, I'm feeling like, you know, if a, if a group wants to come out and uh, we talk about all kinds of stuff, people ask me questions about roads, about Fairfield Hills. And, uh, you know, last year I was getting maybe a half a dozen people at a clip, you know, sometimes more, sometimes a little less. Um, gotcha. So it's a nice way just to try to reach people and, you know, not have it seem very, uh, uh, official. Gotcha. Well, listen, take the next one off next week and just have people listen to my podcast and no worries. No, I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, listen, Dan Rosenthal, thank you so much. First, like I'm in Newtown, Connecticut. I really appreciate it. But before you go real quick, one yeah. question I was asking my guests before they left me was um, a hot button issue, at least one I thought was in the state, which was the debate over who has the best pizza in New Haven, Connecticut. And I don't know if you're a big pizza guy or if you're out there that much. 
in, so in, New, in, in, in New Haven? Yeah. So let me preface it this way. Do you, are you a big pizza guy? If so, do you have a favorite place that you've had pizza in New Haven? And if not, do you just have a favorite spot around here that you like? I'm sure. Well, I, I would never be crazy. Wanna... <laughs> I would never be crazy. I like all the pizza places in Newtown. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you're not going to try. I was expecting. Okay. 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 Yeah. <laughs> if you, you know, I, I, I was always a fan of, of, uh, Peppies, you know, I, I uh, okay. you know, now that they've spread out, I can go over to, to Brookfield and get it. Gotcha. Um, I am dying. I have not tried Roseland yet. Um, you know, mm. I've always heard great things and I haven't gone down to, uh, Very to try good it. over there, yes. But, uh, but that's if all the ones in Newtown are, you know, just there's a standing room only and I can't get to the ones in Newtown. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, got, I hear you. Listen, thank you so much for coming on. Frank Pepe's is definitely a favorite. Almost everyone has said Frank Pepe's. So maybe we'll have to get um, Gary Bamonte on for Frank Pepe's. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate it. Um, first selectman, Newtown, Connecticut, Daniel Rosenthal. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time and have a great evening. My, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you once again to my guests on the podcast today. First selectman of Newtown, Connecticut, Dan Rosenthal. Thank you so much, Dan, for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon down the road. Just like that, once again, another episode of the podcast is in the books. Thank you, as always, to my best friends, the guys who make it all possible, post-production and music by Morgan Lutzi, art director Kurt Vinci, editor and writer Nick Pasacreta, and huge thanks, as always, to my guy, Devin Sapelli. Dropping later this week on Friday, you guys are in for a huge treat, as I will be joined by Chef Matt Storch. Born and raised in Westport, Connecticut, Matt is the chef and owner of Match, as well as the owner of Match Burger Lobster in Westport, Connecticut. Matt recently competed and won Chopped on the Food Network and will soon be featured on another Food Network show. Matt has cooked at the James Beard House on many occasions, as well as cooking for the likes of Jacques Papin, Julia Child, and countless other culinary luminaries. But until then, you know the deal. Stay safe, stay healthy, love you all, peace.